A lot of people think that emails are used to try and sell a whole bunch of people. Uh, email for me is actually a good disqualifier. So sometimes I'll even start an email or the first email might be like, is this something that you're thinking about? Are you doing this? Is this something you want to do? If not, that's completely fine. If you let me know, I, I won't actually send you another email. That's actually a pretty powerful opener because it sets you apart from everyone else. Hey everyone, welcome back to Innovative Mind. So a little bit of interesting information. This is my third podcast that I'm actually doing today. So three in a row. So and I am still pumped as my first one and I'm really excited by this guest who is here, Will Wang. I don't know if you've heard about him, but he is the founder of Growth Labs. So another marketing agency. Um, so I had some really amazing marketing agencies owners on here previously, but Will is someone that has been on my radar for about two years, I would say. I've come across, heard his name, heard how much great stuff he's done within the marketing world, how quickly he has achieved success. And a lot of business entrepreneurs has mentioned Will to me. And I got the pleasure to actually get introduced to Will last week. And we you know, got into chatting and finding out, but I still haven't found out about his journey and how he's, you know, got to such quick success from what other people say. He might say it's different. Um, so I thought, you know, let's bring him on, find out a little bit about his journey. I know he's kind of really, really good at emails and he's got some secret sauce. And I thought, let's get his, you know, innovative mind and get all the exposure to all his secret sauce and maybe bounce a little bit of ideas back and forward together about LinkedIn plus email, which I think is a great formula. So I'm really happy to have Will in my network to bounce those kind of ideas with. So with that, Will, welcome to Innovative Minds. That was such a good intro. Thanks, Melanie. <laughs> I hope I can live up to that amazing intro there. <laughs> I'm sure you will. So I guess, Will, you've been on my radar for um, for some time and, you know, you. I want to know, like, people just always, whenever they talk about you, they're like, you know, Will, and he's had such um, quick success and great success and and I'm like oh wow and how and he's done it so quickly I, I guess I was like kind of whenever I heard that I was like wow what's the journey and how has he done it so can you t walk me through like is the journey as like quick as what people are looking outside and looking in and you know what 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 what's the journey been why are people saying this uh, it's def definitely not, definitely not. Like, it's funny when you say that because when I look at it from where I'm sitting, I'm like, how are we so, like, still so small? How are we not double where we are? Uh, so I think I've been in, in business for about six and a bit years now, come up to our seventh year in business. So the agency's taken a while to kind of do its thing. The first two and a half years were super rough. Like, it was just, we were just, you know, didn't understand the right product market fit, didn't understand the right service offering, pricing, packaging, literally had no clue what the heck I was doing. And so the first two and a half years was actually pretty bad. Like we, I left the um, corporate job that was paying about 130K a year to do this. And we literally went backwards on the, on the mortgage and the savings. We wiped out our life savings. And so at two and a half years, yeah, we're at the point where I was thinking, well, I've gone back 10 years financially. I need to go back and get another job. And um, so that was kind of where we were up to, you know, 24 months in, right? It was just crazy. And yeah, literally, like I was sitting there talking to my wife going, I think I've stuffed up, royally stuffed up. Well, use different words, but, you know, I'll be I'll be PG. But, you know, I'm really mm -hmm. stuffed up. I'm going to start looking at the jobs again. I think I'll put us in the ditch by and put us behind by 10 years. She said, look, just as you're doing the job thing, like I'm not going to stop you from doing that, but just – give yourself another month, like just believe in yourself, just keep pushing. And literally that month we hit an inflection point, uh, got on stage to talk about some of the stuff we were doing and picked up two of our biggest clients at that point and started to pay the bills finally. So wow. uh, I think, yeah, I think the reason why people might think that I've had a faster journey is because I linked up with one of my mentors, one of my business partners and coaches at the moment, uh, James Tramco, and he came into the business at about year three, and mm. so we were kind of steady at that point. And that's when, you know, we started peeling back and talking about what we do, talking about the results. And so maybe when people were listening at that point, it's like, oh, cool. You know, Will's been growing really, really quickly, but they missed the first two and a half years. Yeah. Because I was kind of curious what enticed James Shramko to get involved 
with you because I know that's mm. kind of looked at as a difficult thing, you know. And I remember when I had a business partner who I've since bought out, he told me, can you please pitch to James? And James was like, mm. I think this is the first time I also heard about you the second time maybe because first I was from that business partner of mine and he was like, I'm already doing stuff with Will um, in marketing and so, you know, I already have my hands in that domain so I wasn't looking for more so how did you that's something I was curious about back then like Mm. how did you you know entice him to get involved with you Uh, I think the first and foremost thing was I was just open with him like I I laid out all of our dirty laundry and I said look I'm really bad at this operation stuff we have good clients we have good results uh we care about our clients you know we do a really good job and we just make sure we take care of them but I hadn't had the right structure in place. I didn't have a team. I didn't have the right operating systems or the right SOPs. And so I think for James, that's where his strengths are. I mean, his strengths are kind of all across the board. He's just Mm. this phenomenal business genius. But Mm. where I really went to him, I said, look, I can do leads. I can get leads for ourselves. But the more leads we bring in, the more clients we've got, the more I I dislike the business, like the more I just want to burn it to the ground. And so I think from his perspective, he saw, if I can just tweak a few things, I can really help him to grow. Uh, And because we were so open, it was just like, well, I think we just just gave it a shot and thankfully it it, it just kind of worked. Cool. So what really piqued my interest then was you were really good at lead generating and that wasn't a problem to bring in leads. Um, I want to know like how did you – you know, manage to do that? Like what were the things that you were able to, because first two years you said it was like struggle street, like you were like financially going mm. backwards. So what changed for you to all of a sudden, you know, be able to get leads? So I think what changed, it wasn't so much the lead side because, you know, I was hustling. We actually had, funnily enough, the same number of clients when we were struggling versus where we are now, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's just understanding, narrowing down on what we were good at and yeah. charging the right pricing and working the right clients. So I used to go to every single networking event I could, all of our chamber of commerces, all of our B&I stuff. And if you yeah. go to enough networking events, talking about something like social uh, social media marketing, it was kind of like the, the height when everyone's like, oh, I need to be on socials, I need to be on socials. So yeah. leads wasn't actually an issue because everyone's like, yeah, I've got 500 bucks a month. And so we yeah. were charging literally like a grand a month or like 1500 right. a month and doing wow. everything like SEO, mm-hmm. social media posts, um, ads, yeah. like everything in the yeah. sun. So yeah, it was just getting out there and just shaking hands and hustling was how we got leads. Uh, but then when we got a little bit smarter with it, we started kind of eating our own dog food because um, one of actually how the email thing evolved was I was in a desperate state where I'm like, look, let me just, I, I can't cold call because I'm an introvert. I don't like the phone. I'm going to all these networking events, but I'm not meeting the right people. The right people for me are probably sitting behind their computers doing what I'm doing. So let me try cold emailing. Uh, and so we actually picked up a Facebook ads client through cold emails and he was in a really, like a really weird niche. So we couldn't make the face Facebook ads worked, but he turned around and said, well, actually most of my clients probably aren't even on Facebook. You sign me up via cold emails. Can you do it for me? And so that was our very first cold email client. And that one took off with cold emails. And so it's like, yeah. well, hang on. I think there's something here. So yeah. that's kind of the path and, you know, and we just did that and kept, kept doing it and then kind of naturally evolved um, from, you know, having to go to networking events to just being really good at cold emails. That's super interesting. You must have been also at the, just the right channel, right client um, because I've had similar situations where like it, emails haven't worked for some people and I thought it would and they said they had a great email list and then there's some people that have come off in their first email they landed you know a 100k client and they just thought we're the best freaking agency ever and i'm thinking god like we got freaking lucky with that list they just had a list waiting for it you know and Hmm. and yeah the email's good but they just had like hungry you know content um needs from their database that they just haven't mined ever and was just Hmm. sending shit to so I think, you know, when you find the right marketing channel for the right audience, for the right client, and it just goes, you know, it just goes berserk. And um, so fast forward to this email thing really now working out. So you start discovering, I'm kind of 
got a good understanding of emails and you probably were you doing that as well as a suite of offering because I mean at the beginning in marketing we do anything right it's like yep 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 yeah exactly I think by I knew pretty early on that my strength in the whole marketing thing was copy and so what I kind of realized leading up to the end of the second year was that if I focus on copy, the channel and the medium doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't matter if we're advertising on Facebook or writing emails. It's just like, can I get the copy in front of the right people? And so that was kind of when we started going towards the journey. And the more closer we've gotten straight to the copy, so taking out the element of Facebook, taking out the element of all this other stuff, the, the easier it is or has been for myself and my clients to get leads because ultimately like if the copy shines through email, they're not getting distracted by scrolling for a thousand other things. It's literally right there and they've got to make a decision. Do I, do I care enough to reply or not? Um, so that's kind of the natural progression, just knowing that, hey, I really like this copy um, and I've got to figure it out for myself. So I might as well sell it to clients as well. So with emails, my curiosity, mm. um, I want to explore that a little bit more. Are you normal? Are you normally going for like cold lists that your clients come to, like that, that have never known about them in the past? Exactly. So we actually build the list now uh, for our clients. It's kind of what we what we do. So we okay. build the list. We do the we do deep personalization, and then we write the copy, and we combine all of that with the nurturing that comes after as well. Cool. So how do you do the list? building very manually so i've got a team of uh 12 or 13 in the philippines and we just literally find the right people and go deep so for example uh, a client of ours recently they were trying to target podcast podcasters like like you and me well actually no we were targeting book authors who hadn't don't have a podcast yet or hadn't had an active podcast so we'd actually go and read the amazon highlights of the book and read wow. a certain section and reference it in the emails and then reference a certain topic that we think they crush it on in terms of podcasting. So like that's the level of personalization we go with for the list that we build. Wow. So how long does it take to build a really good list and how big is a list that you would build before you would hit that list? Yeah. So we, most of our clients, we build about 500 to a thousand contacts a month. Okay. Um, so it's literally a full-time person sitting there checking for the list every single, every single day. Wow. So yeah, it depends on how, like it, it, we look at deal structure and deal size because for some of our clients, their deal size is so big, right? They sell to government or huge enterprise. They can't actually sustain, like if I had 20 leads a month, they drop all the leads and actually burn the reputation. So for those clients, it's like, hey, can you literally just send five emails a day? So yeah. every month we're actually not building that many uh, leads, but we're getting into so much detail with each of the leads where we know how long they've been at the role, what the last project was that they worked on, um, what their internal KPIs might be for, for the, for the leads. And so we just go super deep. So it's kind of like that mix, um, that balance of how much personalization versus how much scale. Uh, and then we just judge based on that. Hey, how many responses do we need to, to kind of get the return that our clients need to see? Oh, this is really super exciting. So this is this little secret is like you really need to build those leads intimately is the content then um then structured based on all that data that you end up collecting on each person so they feel like it's super personalized or is it written one by one for each of these people that you're adding to yeah it's not one by one um (laughs) that'll be that'll be absolutely nuts like we (laughs) um Unless, of course, we get paid. So we have had clients in the past where they've said to us, I've got a list of 10 or 20. Yeah. Um, you know, can you go and chase those for us? In that case, we will actually write each one one by one. Sure. But the leads are worth so much money that it just makes sense to do that. Uh, but okay, generally, you know, on a list of 500 to 800, it's, um, we've got three or four options with merge tags and personalization. And it just takes the data from the merge tags and goes, oh, this person likes like this, send this thing with these, uh, with these data points, essentially. Got it. Okay. So we have like a mutual prospect. So just for listeners listening on, Will and I are, you know, talking to a mutual client that I know that they want to chase the top 500 fortune 500 companies or you know i think that's what they are yeah top 500 top 500 asx companies and they've never actually ever been able to attach to this before um they've been small so i ended up speaking to them and then i think will's got a call with them 
tomorrow just to see, you know, can we align? So I guess for them, right, um, if mm. we maybe just, you know, walk through that deal for them, they're here and they want to go over and pitch 500, you know, these top 500 IT companies is what I think is their sort of, you know, ideal. Mm. You would go and then, you know, go find that. And then what would you like, you know, granularly do? Like how would you go about because there's so many decision makers within a top mm. 500 company. So what would your method and strategy be in tackling them to get into a deal with with um yeah, with one of these companies? Yeah, we've actually had um, a bunch of clients targeting the ASX and we that's probably one area that we're really good in. Like we mm -hmm. just know how to get into ASX companies. So yep. um, one of the things we look at first is breaking down uh, two elements, one being the offer for the right person. So for example, we had another client and um, we targeted 400 companies in the ASX targeting CEOs and CFOs. And our reply rate from these, you know, top of the food chain, you know, top executives at top companies was about 42%. Like reply rate, which yeah. is just, which is nuts. We made millions and millions of dollars. And so we looked at, you know, for a CEO or a CFO, what do they care about? Because it's actually very different. Like they, um, you know, CEOs care about share price. CEOs care about um, investment mentality. CFOs care about controlling costs and making sure that there's cash flow. A, a few right. different things as well, but obviously very different. So then we write the offer for the roles differently and each of them get a different email plus a reference point for the company in a way that we think our services would be relevant. So the offers kind of, and not offer as in like, what are we selling, but offers as in like, what's going to get them onto the sales call. And so we map out the entire process. Like at, at point one, it's a qualification call. So we need to offer this to get the qualification call. So after that happens, you know, um, step two is a longer sales call, but we need to have this offer from qualification call to sales call. So we map out the entire process. Uh, and then we go and build the personalization and then we go and send a batch of emails to test, look at how many CEOs or CFOs come back and say, yep, let's do a phone call. And then we iterate and improve um, and just how, keep improving every single time. How long does this process then take to, you know, from engagement then um, and mm. testing so that we can get a realistic time frame? So uh, the campaigns typically take us three to four weeks to set up. Uh, there's a lot of tech in the background. There's a lot of list building initially, but once it gets rolling, it just continues rolling on. The, the first leads generally come through in week one after we send the emails oh. out. Okay. Um, so it's pretty, like we'll know pretty quickly, hey, this campaign needs to be changed or hey, I think this is going to work really well. Okay. So it's not about multiple touch points you're saying. You're saying that the first email that they receive in their inbox should do the trick. Uh, so we send probably six emails as mm -hmm. part of the email sequence. And mm -hmm. if you don't reply to any of them, they keep getting the email. So there, there are multiple touch points, definitely. Um, but for some of them, if the message is crafted correctly, num the first email will be like, hey, this is actually kind of interesting. I'm happy to have a conversation. So mm. um, our best emails are probably emails two, three, and four in terms of the sequence. But you, we also get leads coming in from the first one. Cool. So going back to this ASX um example so they want top 100 asx and they might not even be ready right they're thinking this is going to take mm. a long time so that would be another challenge as well for the business to be if they want to work with you it's like you better be you know ready to have that offer so what happens if um they come to you and they don't have the offer that's going to appeal to that company how do how do you go about that then yeah, so we've got actually a package now that we've only just rolled out and it's looking like it's pretty successful so far, mm -hmm. uh, where we actually do the offer bit with them. So yep. we do all the offer bit, we do all the messaging bit. And so what happens is um, for some of our clients who potentially don't even want to engage us uh, full-time because, you know, not full-time, as in, you know, for the 12 months, we yep. actually have a done with you service where we can help them with all this kind of stuff. They hire a virtual assistant based in the Philippines to run the system for them. So cool. that's generally something that's you know, quite good because if they got the offer right. If they don't need that many leads, um, it's pretty economical to just get it set and, and then just have someone run it for them. And some, you know, a full-time virtual assistant is like a thousand bucks Australian mm. a month. That's full-time running your leads for you. Got it. Got it. So if we now have this person that's researching and data mining for you consistently adding to it, mm. they've got like, they know how the flow will be. The six emails are written, which they will go through. Now, 
if we have this, let's go back to this example. So we've got this company who sell marketing as well, like a marketing mm-hmm. service to help lunch and learns with these IT companies, like, you know, events and so forth. That's their specialty. They have a package for mm-hmm. IT companies to do their all their marketing collateral or whatever. So how would you go about then positioning to the decision? Like say they think that the decision maker is the CEO. They could be completely wrong in that, but say that they think mm. this and they come to you and they say this is the decision making. What's the, the secret then in how you would say market them and what would put the first email and the subject line and what are like best practices going through your mind as I'm asking you this that you would be putting it, putting in? Yeah, that's interesting. So they run lunch and learns for their clients. Is that kind of? That's one of their, yeah. I think they are like a marketing provider for IT companies. Gotcha. So in that kind of case, my my thinking around emails is like a lot of people think that emails are used to to try and sell a whole bunch of people. Uh, Email for me is actually a good disqualifier. So sometimes I'll even start an email or the first email might be like, are you, you know, is this something that you're thinking about? Are you doing this? Is this something you want to do? If not, that's completely fine. If you let me know, I, I won't actually send you another email. That's actually a pretty powerful opener because it sets you apart from everyone else saying, here's what we do. We do lunch and lunch. We do because they mm-hmm. might not even be in a position where they care. Like they might not just lunch and learns may not be, or even lead generation yeah. might not even be the number one thing for these companies. So if you set a qualifier at first or ask the question, is this even top of mind or, you know, in the back of your mind, that's a pretty good place to start. Um, and then you can always go and offer, you know, hey, here's a case study or here's some information. Here's why I think it'd be good for you. Uh, but just come back to me and let me know if I'm on the right track. Got it. Is there any like best practices for like the subject line in emails when you're first going cold? Uh I mean, there's a few that have worked historically, um, things like asking them a question, um, but, you know, it's getting a bit tacky now with too many people using it, so it's not as effective. Like we write all the emails um, from scratch, so I like to make the emails relevant to what the people are doing, and depending on the company, I also put some humor into the subject lines as well. Like if you can open up a question or some kind of uh, thing that drives the curiosity, one of the things I don't like doing is having a subject line that's got nothing to do with the body copy. Because even if you get them to open the email, they're like, this is crap. Like, you wasted my time. You tricked me into clicking. So it has to be relevant to what your actual message is, uh, but also have enough curiosity on there, whether you're name dropping competitors, whether you're talking about a result they want, whether you're you know um, giving them some kind of value. It's just going to have... A bit of value, a bit of curiosity, um, and a bit of humor if, if you can, can fit it all in. Yeah, I got murdered for um, using one of those tacky subject lines when I was experimenting because I was like, I'm just wanting to experiment. And I, and I don't know. I think it was something like I, you know, um, I don't know. I think I, I said something really quite out there, like I give <laughs> up or, you know, and then or um, – it's really important to open this or something. And people just wrote back going, I'm just not going to do business with someone that gets me to open. So I think being relevant, um, which, which I was like, you know, but I also got a few leads as well from it, but most people got pissed off. So there's, um, and then I was realizing later that if you can be relevant to the email, you're going to get a lot more people on your side than, you know, trick them because people don't want to get tricked and, you get them all hyped up. That used to work, I think, at once upon a time, mm. but you, you just end up being like shunned away. Um, and so that was a big, yeah, big learn for me in my email that, okay, let's be really relevant. So I'm really glad you shared that. I also feel like best practice for subject lines, whenever I do two to four words, I get a lot more. I don't know if that's a mobile thing. I don't know if you've found that, but when I use less words sometimes, um, I seem to get a higher open rate. Is that true? Uh, not really in the data that I can see. I, I also don't put a lot of value in open rates too. I, I mean, right. I do talk about it, you know, Hey, our sequences get 80, 90% open rates, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But really the main metric I care about is how many positive leads or how many phone calls have we got from the sequence. So for example, if my open rate is only 30%, 
but my positive reply rate is through the roof and I've got a whole bunch of phone calls, probably not going to change that much. Uh, because we know that, you know, and, and open rate tracking is kind of weird these days too, because like Apple blocks it. So many different systems might actually block the open rate porting. So I don't put a lot of um, weight behind, you know, how, how good the sequence is. I mean, if the sequence isn't working, sure, I'll go back and look at reply rates, open rates and figure out, is it that no one's opening emails, therefore they're not replying? Is it some deliverability issue? Uh, but generally, if we're getting really good leads coming back of it, I don't worry too much about those numbers. Yeah. It's good to like quote the vanity metrics, I guess, at the beginning. Mm. But if you can, you know, sometimes not, sometimes it's like even me, I'm like looking at impressions going, wow, I got so many impressions, but it's not really about that on LinkedIn. It's like mm. how many people actually came through going, I want to do business with you. Um, yeah. Where, where you, okay, so you, but initially, because when I do emails, I still, I think open rate I look at as an initial thing just to understand like, okay, at least I got open rate, like I got to tick mm. the box because sometimes conversion isn't right there to be able to measure on the first go. It would just, mm. they're just not in that mindset, the list, because I don't really go for cold lists myself. I only go for like list of clients that are already engaged with this audience. So that's mm. why I'm more curious about in cold I do sometimes get really compelling emails and I'm like, that was really good. Like you really got me in and you've got me hooked. But you know what I feel with some of those? Like it comes from like a Gmail or it doesn't come from a person that I can really like click on their LinkedIn or really mm. feel. So sometimes I just kind of go, oh, it's just going to be another one of those things that are going to pull me in and then I, even though it's written really well, I even take a photo of it for God's sakes and go, that's a really, I don't know where it goes somewhere in my phone, but I'm like, that's a really good, yeah, that's a really good pitch. Um, so how, who do you like then end up sending the email from, you know, when you yeah. do it, do you choose a persona from like, say this ASX company, like, would you, mm. would you choose a persona for them to send it from? Uh, not really. I mean, it's so easy now there's to find, you know, do a LinkedIn search. Like, is this person even real? Um, yeah. And when it's not, it's just like, I, I don't like the trickery side of things. And I think, um, a lot of marketers who have done this in the past have been very trickery based. Yeah. That's not really the vibe. Like, we work with so many corporate clients and yeah. branding's so important to them, right? Uh, we generally send it from someone from the sales team, like with their okay. personal name on it. Okay. Uh, we've all the LinkedIn stuff on it. We've all the you know company website. So if they wanted to research who these people are, it's actually real people. Yeah. Um, so that's how we how we typically do it. Got it. Got it. And what about like using like say for example this company that we're both talking to? They were thinking like coming from the CEO because they're targeting these bigger company, and they want to feel like they're putting their top voice you know to another ceo in this mm. is that like you know a strategy that you've pursued does that yield any better results from coming from you know that level mm, yes and no um when you get to c-suite on the asx it's more about how relevant the message is and is it something that the ceo actually cares about so i mean we help um you know one of our biggest clients have got about 85 sales team members now. So if we're prospecting to CEOs, it's hard to say that the email is coming from the CEO when you know he runs this $230 million a year company. Yeah. So it's all about how the relevancy of message. Um, I haven't found a massive issue. Like obviously you don't want to have sales, you know, or I'm trying to pitch your stuff on, on, on yes. your title. Yes. Um, but other titles like Client success manager, solutions manager, that's worked well in the past too. Got it. Um, yeah, so it's not really about the positioning. It's about you know, the value that you can provide. But in some cases, it can be. Uh, it just depends. Like, oh, I'll, I'll give you a solid example. If you're inviting CEOs to, to an event, it doesn't have to come from another CEO. Yes. Yes. But if you're inviting them for a one-to-one -one coffee chat, maybe it would be advantageous to come from CEO. But it depends on the company's size, right? If you're a one-man band, like it doesn't really matter. Whereas yeah. if you've got 200 employees and they've got 200 employees and you're just like meeting of co-CEOs, like, you know, that kind of makes more, more sense. Uh, but generally I think that's probably the last thing we optimize for. Got it. What about the body? How long is like optimal for the email? Like short, long, like what are you trying different messages throughout that six sequence? 
Definitely different messages. So we've got long emails, short emails. They've all worked in the past. I think it's one of those things where uh, I, f- I forgot who said the quote, but the quote was something like, you know, I didn't have time to write you a shorter letter or um, I, I, I probably should remember. I quote it so often, but I, I yeah. probably shouldn't know who said it. Uh, but it's one of those things where some products and services, you do need a few more lines to explain relevancy to the audience. Um, and some you just don't. So for example, we've got a client that, uh, does fundraising or cap raising for big, big companies. And so our pitch to them is like, do you need more funding? Like, do you need more capital? You mm. don't need to really go into too much detail. It's like, do you need it or not? If, mm. if so, we can help you get it. So that one's a short email, but then we've got other clients who, um, you know, the business consultants, but they've got this special spin and it's kind of unique what they do, but they're also titled business consultants. So they kind of fit into the masses. So for those clients, we've got to go into a little bit more in terms of here's who we work with. Here's our, 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 our unique take on the market. Here's what we're different from that million and 20 other business consultants. So it depends mm-hmm. on like who's sending it and the offer and also the message. Got it. So with the body, it can be short, long. It's just about maybe the first one could be short, the next one could be longer. What about like the amount of links and stuff you put into it? Like, yep. Do you measure for like, you know, that they clicked on this and they clicked on that so they'll then go into another sequence? Uh, not really. And we try to minimize links and, and images as much as possible. So if you're sending a mass email, and you don't have the personalization on it, and you've got a lot of you know, links images, you'll probably end up in either the promotions um, tab or you end up in the spam filter. So we try and minimize all of that stuff as much as we can. So for example, we will have um, just a single link and it's either to the company website or to the LinkedIn profile. Um, we'll have probably, we reduce the signatures. If it's like a massive block of um, you know, graphics, we actually reduce it down. Uh, we do use GIFs sometimes, but not in the mm-hmm. first email. Yeah. But we kind of just minimize all of that. Okay. Okay. So much more like friendly, just like as if someone's texting or writing on the go exactly. kind of style, just, you know, not like, you know, templated or anything, just getting it from that moment is what you, I, I believe in that same concept as well. Mm. Um, and. Yeah, okay. Not too many links, otherwise could go in spam. Big okay. That's that's a big one. So what happens after I go through the cycle of the six and I didn't respond? Yeah, that's a good question. So it depends on the sales um, capacity, right? Because I've got clients again with you know, with multiple salespeople and they can pick mm. up the phone and call them. Or we yeah. can send them a postcard, or we can send them something in the mail, um, or connect with them on LinkedIn. Um, in other cases where the teams are a little bit smaller, it's just like, well, six emails and they haven't replied, but they've opened the emails. We'll just assume they're not interested and we can come up with another campaign later down the track. But we'll just mark them as you know, not interested for the next six months. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so then, Will, will you just continue to find new audiences to continue yep. to market to? Because earlier on, you kind of said like when they engage with you or a company engages with you they're really looking in for 12 months um of it so what is it like you know that if for example if they're saying i'm targeting fortune 500 company and you've already cycled Mm -hmm. through the 500 ceos and the 500 ceos and the 503 like you know other people within Mm -hmm. three months then what what's left after that to do with you if they don't have any other lists so generally there's a few things we can do. Um, the first option is the simplest, just let's just pause for a little bit mm-hmm. and that's completely fine. Right. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of know at the very beginning, Hey, what's the list size? Who are we targeting? And then we can always estimate like, well, I think we're going to get through this pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, other times we've switched to different strategies. So for example, we've been able to pull data from the LinkedIn ads and use that to actually prospect out from some kind of inbound traffic. So um, data from LinkedIn posts, for example, which I know yes. you're amazing at yeah. and using that to build the email lists or LinkedIn ads. So that can be another source. Uh, we've done, you know, we've helped the clients expand internationally. So if they're done with Australian companies, we can take them overseas when the market's 20, 30 times bigger. 
but the principles still work the same in terms of email. So uh, we've actually helped a few clients expand internationally, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of options, but uh, there does come a time where we might've actually gone after everyone in the market. And so at that point it's like, well, do you want to stop or do you want to tackle new markets? Got it. Do you think that the list building is the most strategical part of it? Like if they can get the list building right, like if they really know who their offer appeals to, that they're going to have the biggest success or is it the the Mm. messaging? Uh, I think they work so closely in hand with each other, which is why the the reason why we do both, we have to do both really well. We bought lists in the past from list brokers and I've probably spent about 20k of my own money on testing out list brokers yeah and it's been crap like the copies worked on the list we've built but then when you plug into bad list and it hasn't worked yeah we've also built really good lists but the offer wasn't strong and that's bombed as well so I think it's probably like a combination of the two just like relevant list relevant message um you know to live in the right way that's kind of been the key formula um, I wish it wasn't so because I can shortcut some of our own processes, but yeah. it just so happens that every time we've tried to shortcut, shortcut one or the other, like it's always not been the best. So have you used linked, LinkedIn to build lists from the sales nav? Yeah, that's probably one of our favorite data sources is actually sales nav. Right. Um, because it gives us so much data about the people, right? You know, yeah. Yeah. You know who they are, what the title is, the company, um, how long they've been at the company for, like so much good data in there. Yeah. So if you, I guess my curiosity in this conversation goes to, there's obviously outreach that you can do through LinkedIn and you can, mm-hmm. there is products like Lemlist, for example, that help you go and, you know, connect, I believe over in LinkedIn and then it then bounces mm. an email um, right after so that you're kind of like feeling like, oh, I just saw you on LinkedIn and now that I, now I've got an email from you. So you're feeling a little bit more trust because you just mm. remembered. Have you, what do you think about those kind of mechanisms of operating on like a two touch point platform? And have you done that? Yeah, I, I really like that. With something we're trying to do at the moment and trying to figure out how to get efficiency in doing so yeah. we used to actually do a lot on LinkedIn, but as from outreach and, you know, connection requests, yeah. all that kind of stuff, uh, we've never been that great in terms of doing content for clients, which is, yeah. I think, you know, a massive superpower that you've gotten. And, okay. and I know that at the moment, LinkedIn and content and the stuff that you're doing is actually what's moving the needle. Yeah. Um, the way that we use LinkedIn and connecting it to emails at the moment is literally just, um, like for example, if one of our, uh, you know, clients post something up on LinkedIn, we'll go in and scrape that post for data about who interacted, um, you know, who it might also be relevant to. So that's kind of how we're using it at the moment. Um, Got it. And yeah, I, we, we do use tools where they bounce between the two. Yeah. But we, we're pretty careful with LinkedIn. They're pretty strict nowadays in terms of, you know, how many contacts, um, how, how many connection requests, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to bounce a couple of things um, off you. So, one of the things that obviously my agency does is, yeah, we produce the content and then we're putting it out. And what it does is it creates influx of different data sets. Okay. So one data set it does, and I think it's actually a secret that Richard Moore, who came on Large Influencer, revealed was he doesn't even do connections. Like he's just like, he gets so much profile views from the mm. content. And that is such a strong. Um, data source in his opinion like someone's viewed my profile it gives you the right to say in his opinion hi you viewed my profile um what piqued your interest i think he says this is his like you know this is his number one line and then Mm. he actually revealed exactly what he says after that he was like um yeah that whatever they you know respond then he goes in and he you know questions them like you know are you having this problem like pretty directly like is that what is it that, you know, that problem you're facing, whatever it was. Mm. Do you kind of, you know, see that at some point, like, you know, would that kind of, could we take that profile view and start pretty much engaging via email, right? Definitely. You know, from there? And would we yeah. leave it, leave, how would we do it? Like, would we 
let them know we are going to engage with them on email um, so that they know that, you know, that's with, that we will be communicating. Yeah, I, I actually love taking people off LinkedIn onto email just because we control the medium so much more. Yeah. Um, so that is definitely a strategy that's worked really well in the past. Yeah. So the idea of, you know, creating posts with um, not even connecting, giving people the viewer profile, reaching out to them on LinkedIn and jumping off and taking the conversation through to email. So, um, for example, if we talk about Lemlist, uh, you know, yeah. I, I actually know G who found a Lemlist quite yes. well. Um, yeah. So from that, I would definitely message people who have seen the profile and you know you're completely right to say hey you know just saw you still i i make a joke out of it personally mm. i said something like hey just saw you stalking my profile on linkedin um what's going on you know why what's the reason what got you got you interested i think it's a great yeah. line um, and they just have the natural conversation via email yeah yep got it so you would take them straight away <laughs> off and so we can actually see opens which we can't get on LinkedIn messages, we can see it at a much more bulk view rather than the inbox, which is very confusing, I guess, on LinkedIn to manage. That is yeah. quite difficult. Um, and they're probably you can't getting just like go- a million messages on LinkedIn every single day as well. So moving yeah. to inbox already helps you stand out against everyone else trying to pitch them something. Yeah. Okay. Another data point that is super interesting um, is once you post content, you get all these new connection requests that you get built Mm. every single day or month or wherever you accept it. So naturally people start um, this list called follow so people can follow you. So most of my clients get this follow list and then they actually request to connect with you. So they become your new connections Mm. of recent. And I think that's, again, another – they could have also, you know, viewed your profile as well to connect with you. So you're probably going to pick them up on that profile view. But there is, you know, people that um, I think you you get the overlap there. But that's where I was like, oh, okay, there's another opportunity to do something similar that now we're connected. That's an opportunity to open conversation as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many ways to do it. And my thinking at the moment and the way that I'm taking my business is using um, all the functionality out there as a way to build like a newsletter and also a, a a community. So yeah. rather than going directly for the sale, it's like, Hey, if you've seen some content from me, if you viewed my profile, chances are you like the content that I put out. Um, do you want more of it? Can I add it to my email list? I think yeah. that's, a, especially if you don't need leads right now and you're building for the future, that's a really yeah. strong play to have. Yeah. Like to give you an example, Will, um, the, the girl that, you know, that we are, you're going to talk to tomorrow. She said that she almost forgot about me, even though she introduced me to one of my best clients that I have because she <laughs> mentioned me. And she said, because she just follows me, I've never connected with her before. She goes, I just follow your content, but I was on the hunt for marketing agencies and I forgot that, you know, I had already heard good things and I'd already seen. And I was like, oh my God, like if I had done that tact of making sure all my followers that are not connected mm. to me, are actually going and going, thank you so much for following me. I really appreciate this. Mm. I'm going to actually add you to my newsletter or I'm going to add you to my community where I actually just share insights to keep you in the mm. loop. And then I stayed consistent. She wouldn't have forgotten about me because she almost signed a marketing agency that day that I spoke to her and she goes, okay, better not sign. Right. And I'm going to talk to this, you know, opportunity. So can you imagine like the loss that mm. we might be having and these people have been following for months and they are doing business, but you're completely forgotten about. So that follow button, when someone follows you and hits that, it's so important to, I think, you know, create mm. this email or some other touch point because there's just no guarantee that if on on LinkedIn that they haven't hopped on or they didn't get to see you because the algorithm didn't perform for you, it's it's really risky. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, like nowadays leads are worth so much more, right? It's so much more competitive. Yeah. Um, so for me, like the, the ability to take someone off LinkedIn into your email list, that is just like, I think that's people sleep on it, but yeah. imagine how quickly you could build an amazing email list by just going to your LinkedIn followers or, you know, people who've engaged with you, just asking them, Hey, do, do you want more of this kind of good stuff? Yeah, um, And that's the opportunities that's, you know, the email list, I do most of my selling via email list. If it's not direct referral, it's people on my email list, probably about twice a year, I'll make an offer to my list. Um, yeah. Every other 
week, it's just like content and value in, in, in entertainment. But Got invariably, it. if we, I ever need clients, we sell out just by going to the email list. So yeah. I think the true power is that engagement, right? Like just keeping yeah. keeping it top of mind. Um, and then when people are ready for it, they'll have a conversation with you. And I love how you said, you know, you only have an ask twice a year, you know, and I really think that you're operating like Justin Welsh of LinkedIn, like, you know, banking the time when it's time to ask, not asking every freaking sign off, but giving, giving, giving. So when you ask, you really are getting the influx of leads, I find. But if you ask yeah. every time, it doesn't work. Um. I'm glad you said that because I literally just bought his course today. So I'm glad yeah. he has the same mentality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does. He does. He thinks you should like literally wait and do not, you know, wait if you've just offered something, give, give, give. So yeah, that is exactly his mentality. What about um, like there is like when I look at LinkedIn myself and I just feel so overwhelmed again by another data point, like, Okay, there's all these people that liked my comments. Uh, sorry, that all these like likes and all these people that commented, you know, but not just mine. I can now start, I can scrape other people's as well. So I can just go over and see who liked Will Wang's post and I can mm-hmm. just, you know, scrape that and go, oh, hey, I think that, you know, Will does emails and, you know, I just thought I'd connect with you. He's my friend and I'm really into LinkedIn. Like the opportunity is like so big to scrape yeah. at the moment that it almost I felt overwhelmed by the data points that are available over there that I was like oh you know you can you can go and say that's my friend that's my we share the same second degree mm-hmm. like you know you can you can go so deep to build lists um but still I think that in my mind I'm like you know what is the best way like do you kind of just go the easy route and just go like let's go to sales navigator let's go icp let's just do it because you find it so overwhelming as to where to go and look and scrape and it's at scraping aloud um so i think it depends on the context like for ourselves um and i'll speak for it because i've got clients kind of who are all of the spectrum in terms of simple to very complicated and difficult Mm -hmm. but for ourselves as an agency the way i look at it is there's no into the opportunities and how we can leverage the data. But mm. if we keep getting stuck in the like, hey, we could do this, we could, we could do everything, yeah. but what's the one thing? So I think it's with consistency over like new shiny objects. So for example, for ourselves, our big play at the moment is uh, launching content. So I'm gonna take a play out of your book. I'm gonna follow what you say, do a lot of content, look at it, my followers and look at who's liking my content. I'm not going to go outside of the bounds and look at other people's content because there's so much opportunity. I almost get lost in the noise. It's like, what is my one strategy that we're executing day in, day out? And we'll review that strategy in three or six months time. Once we've got enough volume through volume being, have I reached 10,000 people? What were my results from 10,000 people? Um, Without the data set, it's like, I can try everything and it it might work. It might not. Uh, So consistency for extended period of time is really, really good. And I think it's, it's undervalued actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's where, when I was create cause I guess I've been creating content for like three years and I was like, I can't deal. Like profile views are like 4,000 every seven days, you know, like, um, freaking like all the content reactions of so much. So it became so overwhelming for my little small team that we just didn't do anything at all. <laughs> like, it's just like, Oh, we could do this. We could do that. We could do this. And it's like, not we just need to focus on operationalizing the business. We can't even take any more at this point mm-hmm. until we operationalize it. So it's really super interesting to yeah hear that. Sometimes you know I wish I was like simpler is like dumber. Like I actually wish my brain was like dumber. Like that <laughs> I don't have to think about so many things. Like it just was like there's only profile views. That's all I could I think. F- I think that's a problem with people who run marketing agencies because naturally we've got to keep on the forefront of marketing, right? It's just yes. continuing the learning process. We get used to like learning and executing and doing really fast things. But, you know, as my, I've evolved as an entrepreneur and as my business has grown, I'm starting to hang out with bigger and bigger business owners. And some of them, you know, run hundred million dollar a year businesses. You sit down with them and go, well, actually, they're no smarter than you and I. They're just, yeah. they've just been either doing it for a longer period of time and just stuck in their lane and not the shiny object syndrome, or yeah. they've just got to the point where they're like, no, we just do this one thing. We just do direct mail and that's it. 
Yeah. They've just done it over and over and over again to the point where they've just perfected or close to perfected the one thing that they're doing. Whereas I think for me, like me personally, I'm just like, oh, we can do this. Now tomorrow I'm going to be on LinkedIn. Now next yeah. time I'm going to be on YouTube. Like it's just yeah. a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what it is. It's like, I think it's a Hormozy quote, um, simple scales and complex fails. Which yes. I, I love that quote. Like I, you know, it's, it makes so much sense to me. Oh, I agree with you. Like there were so many times I was like, are we going to publish all the LinkedIn thought leadership into YouTube and we're going to put it into TikTok and it's going to be amazing. And then I was like at least smart enough to be like, let's try and do it myself. And I realized I'm like, I'm just mm. creating a havoc. I just like they don't for my team, like now I need to get access to four different platforms. You have to be an expert on all four. Mm. You're right. Like just keep it simple. This is what it is. This is going to feed you for a really long time if you do this well. And keep it like, you know, like do one thing really well before you get into the second thing really well. And yeah. I think with LinkedIn, the best thing that I have seen is do LinkedIn plus email is mm. sensational. You know, like you're just moving one traffic here, right there. There's usually emails that can be right bought or cleaned, you mm. know, using Hunter or something like that. Like you're, it's just such a close market and it's B2B. It's such a strong B2B exactly. of how corporates want to operate how that what they look at every day it's yep. the most complimentary way i found you know in order yeah. to operate i mean our, our strategy going forward and we had this goal of um we actually changed the goal since but we had this goal at the beginning of the year of doubling the agency because i spent the past 18 months working on operational and also delivery stuff and team and hiring so we, we've got the capacity to double so i was like yeah. let's double it and yeah. so our entire strategy behind doubling was literally looking at it daily, weekly, monthly. So every yeah. single day we sent 20 cold emails out to, right. to leads. Um, every single day we're spending $100 or more on ads. And that was it, right? Daily, that's it. If we do those two things, sweet, done. Yeah. Um, weekly, it's like one piece of long-form content on YouTube. Yeah. Um, whether that's I'm on someone else's podcast, I start my own podcast, I just do videos on YouTube, yeah. whatever yeah. that is. That then gets split into daily content pieces on LinkedIn. Now it's content, but yeah. it didn't used to be. Now I've got a content team. Yeah. Um, and then the f one last thing is, you know, one big webinar a month yeah. um, or one big event I'm speaking at a month. Right. And so that we forecasted out was more than enough to actually triple what, like our business. Um, I mean, since then we've changed. I'm like, I don't know if I yeah. want this massive agency. We're pretty good where we are now. Let's just do other businesses or buy businesses and all yeah. that kind of usual jazz. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, like just small things consistently done would get you so much further than um, new shiny object stuff every single every single time. I agree. I agree. I remember when I first started my email newsletter, and I was like so consistent for like literally twelve months, right? Like, and mm. I was like losing my shit by eight months. I was like, I'm giving all these people so much things and I was getting good vibes like you know I love your email love this love that and I was like god like why isn't this converting and I was learning you know I was just learning the flow but I was building my brand to this list of people mm. and I was um really uh, really early on but then when I actually made an offer at 12 months later it, it came and there was like you know leads and I had a, I didn't have a great list. I had like list of small entrepreneurs, medium entrepreneurs that just scraped my LinkedIn people and had pushed them through and thought that's it. I mean, you can do it so much better, but I just think, you know, at the beginning when you start any channel, like you're just learning and you can't expect that it's just going to be like, oh, perfect because you don't even know who your market is. You mm. also don't know the messaging. You are figuring shit out. And like you said, you know, but once you get really honed down, you can just do one marketing channel and do it really, really well, two things, and it will do wonders. You just got to be consistent and do it well and make sure that it's actually, you know, being listened to and people are getting it and simplicity of it. I've seen people go massive just doing podcasts and mm. then they just chop it up and exactly. put it on LinkedIn. That's all they do. Exactly. I mean, I, I had a mentor uh, who co-founded a tech company, which went public about a, year, uh, a couple of years ago, right in COVID. Um, so he became a billionaire and stopped mentoring. He's like, mm. no, nah, I don't need to do this. Like, you know, have a full refund. Um, but he, he built his business. His business at the moment does about 200 million a year US. Wow. And he built it up to 30 or 40 million before he stepped out of the day-to-day -day CEO role. He, his whole strategy of growing was cold emailing. Like that mm. was it. 
So one channel to build to 30 mil a year before they even turn on a single dime of advertising. So that that was was nuts. And just like, just really good focus. Just keep testing until you find what works and just tripling down on what's, what works and what scales. And I think, you know, as marketers, especially I'm very guilty of this. So I, I look at new channels every single day, but um, that's why I've got people in my corner be like, Hey, no, you haven't maximized cold emails. Why are we looking at, you know, programmatic advertising on TikTok? Like it just doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Do you spend a lot on mentors? Is that, or do you try and get mentors that are willing to just give you time? Like, how do you think about mentorships? Um, I I love the idea of using money to buy time. So okay. I spend, I know I spend more than six figures on a single mentor, and I've got a few masterminds and programs and mentors that I've got. So my um, education bill every year is about probably multiple six figures, about 250K thereabouts, um, just to network of people to learn all that because it shortcuts my time. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't particularly, I think most of the stuff that you get from f- for free from mentors doesn't come with the right context. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I pay for mentors is because they learn about me in month one and they carry that knowledge to month two. And so by the time we've worked together for a few months, they've got a really good and deep understanding of my contextual um, issues, right? All my challenges. Whereas if you try and go for free and you just bounce around, the information they give out may not actually be relevant for where you are in your business or your life. Um, The best example of that is, you know, someone, for example, like I've had James in my corner for about three years now. So now when I talk to James, he goes, Normally I'd say this, but for you, do it this way because I know how you think and you're going to go off on a tangent and do this wrong. So do it this way. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. So that'll yeah. save me years of testing and yeah. you know, make me so much money down the track. Yeah. Um, whereas, for example, if I just go and listen to someone like Alex or Mosey, who I love yeah. listening to, yeah. but some of the stuff he says, my company's not big enough to actually do, right? Yeah. So some of the ideas are like, hey, you can't replace yourself with one person. You're going to make five hires. I don't have the budget to make five hires. So I need to put a different context onto it. So that's why I actually really like paying for one-to-one mentoring. Um, For me, you know, group programs haven't really ever worked for me. I just need that one-to-one interaction. Especially maybe as well with your business, if you don't have a business partner, right? So Mm. you have to bounce off. This is your business partners. And so that's what you need to bounce. So how many mentors is like too many though then in your opinion because you've got all these people like giving you all this advice like you might be getting you know kind of Mm. lost in it all yeah i've got about two set ones that i regularly check in with um and then i've got a couple that i'll go to for specific issues so james is kind of my my everything mentor it's like hey james i'm thinking about doing this what do you think and he'll come yeah. at he'll come at it from a lifestyle perspective as well yeah uh, which i think sometimes a lot of mentors can miss right he'll say yeah. sure you can go and build your agency to, to to 10 mil a year but what are you doing about time with your kids like how yeah. much of that are you willing to sacrifice yeah. and i'm like none so i don't want to yeah. do that yeah. um then i've got people who like like dk who introduced yeah. us he's an amazing mentor for me as well yeah. he'll come at it from a different angle and he'll understand like structurally hey have you thought about doing doing it this way for yeah. cash flow and taxes and all that kind of stuff yeah um so dk is amazing as well and then i've got other people who like for a marketing problem i'll go to um, one of my other friends or mentors i treat him as a mentor but his friends mm. i'll say hey i'm really struggling with my own marketing and doing this what do you reckon I mean, they'll have ideas. So I think two regular mentors for me and then um, like a mastermind group where I can go and target specific problems with the right context. That's kind of my formula. Cool. And how much time would you spend with the mentors per month or is it just as you need or is it already like scheduled in? Um, So it's really scheduled in. So I'm now a business partner of James's, which is how we started working together. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he obviously has ownership in, in part of my business. So we've just got regular check-ins because it works mm-hmm. that way. Um, someone like DK, for example, he's my accountant as well. So mm. I tend to get regular check-ins with him from a numbers perspective mm. and that kind of just pivots into, into other things. Um, and then uh, masterminds, I've got um, a couple of masterminds where it's we meet once a quarter. We just go on trips um, and we do that and that's been good. Um, so it's kind of like sporadic and it depends on how busy we are, how, you know, what the context is. Um, there is another group I'm looking at joining, but I just don't know if I've got the time to do it. So that one, yeah, I think they meet 
monthly or they do a really epic event quarterly, but they meet monthly. I just don't know if I've got enough time between all the other mentors I've got. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, well, I've really enjoyed the chat and you've been really candid and open. Um, I think, you know, with, with your journey and the hacks and how you think about emails and how to get what it, well, how to get emails that convert, which is really exciting to hear how you can actually get it on the first, you know, hit. So I'm super, super excited, you know, when you hear stuff like that going, wow, like leads are not the problem, guys. It's like the delivery. So if you can get a great marketing partner, um, you know, it's whether you can handle the lead flow and whether you've actually got a business that can, oper- you know, deliver and retain would be um, your biggest problem if you can have someone good on your uh, on your team like Will to work with you. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing and I'm really looking forward to staying in touch and partnering and working together. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Amazing questions. It's been such a fun chat. So um, you do amazing work as well, I know, with the content and I love the other episodes. So uh, it's been so fun to be on here. Thank you. Bye. You are listening to Innovative Minds.